All right. Colin, Thank come and share me. with us, brother. Yeah, great. Good morning, everyone. Great to be here today. I'm so glad you watched your tongue. The mic was still on as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> great, great. So this morning is a very practical talk today. And um, so let's start first by welcoming a member that is part of us. Do you know which member that's going to be? It's going to be Mr. or Miss Sis or Miss Tongue this morning. Have you seen your tongue recently? And I, oh, the message that I've actually got around my heart, I thought of little Ben over there. I watched him last week. He was engaging in worship. And I was so excited. And I thought, Lord, help me that the talk is almost just, you know, encompassing for Ben's hearing today. So we're going to start off. Who has a cell phone with him today? Oh, you're naughty fact. If you want to put it on selfie mode, okay, and you want to stick out your tongue, and you're going to say, we can do a dress you today. We're going to address you today. That's what I said. So we're going to address this tongue. It's a member that lies between the heart and the head. But it's unpredictable. You agree with me? It's an unpredictable member of the body. And we're going to turn this morning as we look at a new sub-series in the book of James, chapter 3. So this is the third sub-series in our study on James. And I have some folk that's going to come and team with me this morning as we unpack this talk. So true wisdom is the, the big thought around this, knows the tremendous power of words. Because of this, we need a faith to help us filter our words. A real faith. We have it over there. Real faith for real life. We need a real faith that's going to help us filter our words. And my main point this morning is maturing Christ followers know the power of their words. And so a few of my points I wanted to stress that I got out of the text was, I must filter my words because my tongue directs where I go. Secondly, my tongue can destroy what I have. My tongue displays who I am, and my tongue declares that I am a new creation. So James says, by our speech, we reflect the level of our maturity as Christ followers. So James, in chapter 1, you recall, and I remember Luke doing the talk on that Sunday, in chapter 1, verse 26, he says, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself. And your religion is worthless. Wow. Should we just do a prayer of repentance? And go and reflect on this. But no, James says, no, 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 hang on. Let's continue with this. Because even though I said this to you in chapter 1, something is still amiss. 
So let me unpack this even more for you in chapter 3. And so we look at chapter 3, verse 1 to 12. I'm using the NLT uh, T translation. I think it just flows much better because we have some young guys in our midst, and I thought the language is probably just great for them. So ch uh, chapter 3 from verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, he gives a warning here. Not many of you should become teachers in the church. The reason why? For we who teach will be judged more strictly. So myself, Colin, John, think of Derek, Luke, Nick, we're up front. We're going to be judged more strictly because of the gift that God has given to us to teach in the church. And I want to add, like Paul says, I have taught in Acts chapter 20 where he speaks of, I have taught the full counsel of God. So may God grant us who teach, we teach the full counsel of God, the full will of God to the people of God. Indeed, verse 2 says, we all make many mistakes. Who want to raise their hand that has not made any mistake this week with their tongue? So James in admission says, we all make mistakes. Ah, we're all guilty. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. And we know there was only one who was perfect. And that's our Savior. Isaiah 55 says, he was led like a lamb to a slaughter and out of his mouth came no false accusatory word. Isn't that the blessed Savior that has called us to himself? Verse three, he says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in his mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot wants it to go. And even though winds are strong, it still gets to his, his destination. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. Think about that. The tongue is a flame of fire. Think of that. Huh? A flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Verse 7, people can tame all kinds of animals, and they've done so, birds, reptiles, and fish. But no one can tame the tongue. Sorry, ladies, if you have a husband... And if you've tried to tame his tongue, it's been a difficult one. Ask Joyce. But we need God's grace today. It is a restless evil, says James, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Wow, what a passage. Boom, boom, boom. James is just laying it on. This is 
the status of the tongue. James says if we don't watch our tongue, it will dominate us. We must tame the tongue, he says. We must watch our words. We must manage our mouth because they will influence, impact, and affect our lives. Every word that we speak. Do you know that we will give an account for every idle word that we speak? So we all need the Holy Spirit to empower us, filter us, all that we say today, and help us to filter that, those words that need to come out of our mouths. So question, why must maturing Christ followers filter what they say? The reason number one, my tongue directs where I go. If I want to know where we are heading in the next few months or the next few years, all I need to hear is what you talk about the most. What is just taking up all your time and space in your thought pattern will come out by your mouth. James gives us this beautiful picture of a horse that is controlled by a small device. Now, I've never been on a horse. I don't know what it's like to be on a horse. But Georgia is a horse rider, a jockey. And I've asked her to come and tell us a little bit about that power of the horse and how she controls it. Um, so in the horse's mouth, there's a bit, and that is connected to reins that we hold when we ride. Uh, and we'd like a short rein so that we can, the horses feel our contact so that they know we have the reins in our hand. And without that, we wouldn't have control. Um, so an example of how, we can, how it helps by a lot is if a horse is out of control or if they're bolting and you're still on, you quickly just raise the rein and it moves a bit up, which makes them uncomfortable, and they immediately slow down. Or you can turn it, like make a jarring turn so that they, are, yeah, they lose balance and then they have to slow down. So without this, you could like, get very hurt. So yeah, that's all. And shows the bit. Yeah. Um, this is what goes in the mouth. Um, this is a simpler version. They can, you can get bigger ones or two bits, depending on the need for it on the horse. So yeah, this is what a bit looks like. Amazing. Thank you, Georgia. So Holy Spirit, we need a bit in our mouths today. Think on this. There are conversation, conversations you and I have with ourselves that can have huge impact on the direction of our lives. Think of Gideon in uh, Judges chapter 6. I don't have it on the up, uh, overhead, but I just thought of it. He was a young man, and God comes to him and says, you're a mighty hero. Hey, Ben? So we find this in Judges already. Before we get Captain America, Spider-Man, and He-Man, and Lantern, and what are uh, uh, all those guys are the Hulk. God says to Gideon, you're a mighty hero. And then he says, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to give you strength to go and conquer the Midianites. But you know what was Gideon's response to God? He says, my clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I'm the least in my entire family. This is the conversation he was having with himself. So even when he was confronted by God to do a God assignment, his response was, just that. So pause. 
What, is, what is the words that we speak in our mind right now? We're always having a chatter in our mind, always talking. Is it wholesome talk? Is it stuff that we actually base on the truth of what God is, knowledge of God about us? Or is it a lie from the devil? And we heard that in our text today, that all the wickedness that comes even from the tongue, it lies in this poisonous thing, and it's from hell. So we need to draw aside and say, hang on, hang on. Let's pause. What conversations are we having? So we have this conversation with ourselves, and then we have others that have a talk with us, and they can encourage us, but still we have this dominating conversation within our own head and says, I can't, it can't be done. I'm not worthy. I don't feel I'm up to it. I, I, I'm not as good as you, that person. So we have these conversations, and then we have a God moment where God says, you are worthy. We sung that this morning. Because of his worthiness, he has made us worthy. Because of his righteousness, we are righteous. Because of his assurance of our salvation, we know we are children of God. Therefore, says Romans, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you having a conversation of condemnation even over your own life? When God says you're a child of the king, that you are his son, you're his daughter. Imagine that happens to Simon and Claudette. There's Ben again in the story. And they say to Ben, Ben, we love you, you're our child. No, I don't feel loved. And they keep saying to him, now they need to show it. And they express that love. And we've experienced that as Christ followers through the death of Christ. He expressed his love to us. It is a small bit that controls that uh, that 1,000-kilogram beast. A point. So a bit of a sentence, a bit of a phrase, a bit of a word can shape where you and I are headed in life. And we can pause also and say, there's also been a moment where a bit of a word, a bit of a phrase has done a lot of damage to us. But we're coming to God and seeking His mercy and His grace. Maybe the person who said the word to you is no longer around and you can't go and confront them. Let us come to Jesus this morning and ask Him to do the healing for us. So we shape our words and they in turn will shape us and influence our direction in life. And then we get to the second picture. Uh, So James gives us this wonderful illustration of the horse and then he brings along the ship or boat. And he says it's controlled by a little rudder. I remember going out on a a yacht one evening celebrating my brother-in-law's bachelor's party. We went out from Table Bay Harbor. The waters were calm and this young pilot steering this yacht as we were going out. And on our way back, the waters became very choppy. And you'd look at this youngster and you think, I wonder if he's able able to do it for us tonight. Get us back safe into the harbor, not lead to shipwreck in any way. And he saw him steering us out quite wide and thought, I hope he knows what he's doing. Yes, he knew what he's doing. He was in control of that yacht. He had the steering wheel of that yacht. And so we have this. I found that at my mechanic this week. So our tongue acts like a rudder or a steering wheel. And it directs us where we need to go. If you don't like the direction in which you're going of your life, then change the conversation you're having with yourself. So here we find him. He's steering us into the choppy waters. But that little rudder was steering us all the way. The steering wheel was connected to the rudder, taking us safely into the harbor. 
Many of you have come here by car. If you want to turn left, you don't turn right. Right? If you want to turn left, you don't turn right. Right? You turn left. And that's the principle. So exactly the same. But amazingly, we want to acknowledge even today that parents have a great role to play in influencing their children. So no to parents. Let's build up our children. Let's impart words of life and not discouragement into them. Let it be God's words through you to them. Life-giving words. Why? Because they are fearfully, just like you are fearfully, wonderfully made. They are fearfully, wonderfully made. They are God's gift to you. You have a limited time to influence, impact their lives before you release them into the big world. So let your words have a great impression of God's agenda on their lives. And as I said, this great picture of this rudder that steers the ship to where it goes. So James says that my tongue directs where I go, so I've got to learn to control it. I've got to learn to control it. Got, uh, James uses the parallel between the tongue and the rudder, the tongue and the bit in the horse's mouth. And amazing, today I want to welcome up Jane Hood. So what Jane does is, by through her tongue, she's been influencing many people at the organization that she's been involved with called U-Turn. Thank you, Jane. Okay, good to share with you. Um, I'm very passionate about the volunteer work that I've done for the last eight years. And working at U-Turn, which is an organization that um, takes homeless people off the street, trains them, turns them round in the right direction, and puts them back into the road of life. Um, I, I'm given all the illiterate and semi-literate students I, my recent student is a 39-year-old who at the end of the lesson just burst into tears. And he said, this is my dream, my miracle come true. Someone's going to teach me to read. 39. I think it's a good job for me um, in many ways because all through high school I was in a remedial class right to the end of my schooling. I was declared ineducable, if that's the right word, thick and naughty. So here I am working with these wonderful people. I can cope with six champs a year. I see them one-on-one -on -one for um, an hour a week. And at times I've thought, six lives, what? What's the point? There are, do you know there's an estimated 14,000 homeless people living on the streets in Cape Town? But then I remember that lovely story of the two boys who are going along the beach and they find this pile of um, starfish that have been stranded on the beach. And the one boy picks one up and throws it into the water. And his friend says, well... What's the point of that? And he said, well, it's made a difference to that life. 
And there's a quote that I really love. Helping one person may not change the world, but it might change the world for that one person. And that's my challenge. Who will you change the world for this coming week? Thank you. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Jane. That's very inspiring. So Jane, like a captain on the boat, with the many on board, is giving them direction, guiding them to their destination. All that God has for them, Jane is uh, ensuring that they get there safely. Life of shipwreck, Jane is bringing back into the safe harbor. Wonderful, Jane. So why must I filter what I say? Because my tongue not only directs where I go, like a bit in a horse's mouth and like a rudder on a ship. Secondly, I must filter what I say because my tongue can destroy what I have. I get this from verse 5 to 8. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. It can set the whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. I have this little device that I have in my hand. I wonder if you can see it. Can you see that little spark? Can you see that little spark happening? There's a little spark coming out there. Can you see it? You can't. It's a very small spark. If you press it, you can see it. Can you see it? Yes. If you're up front, you can see the little spark. I use this to ignite the flame on my gas stove. Now, James says... Our tongues are like this little spark. It can do great destruction if it is not controlled by the faith that we exercise. Just like the bit in the horse's mouth and the rudder on the ship. He says, our tongues, if left to itself, can do great damage. He says it can be like a little fire, a little flame too. That's how our tongue can be. It can ignite. If I touch this page with this flame, you'll see a real you know, booming fire going, yeah, boom, you know. So James is warning us. James gives us this parallel as a careless camper can destroy a whole forest, so a careless word can create much devastation, heartache, trauma, both physically and mentally. Have you ever met a verbal arsonist? Somebody that is always setting things on fire, always ready to argue, always ready to get into a scuffle through their words. I think of a fire in 2018 that happened in California. It destroyed about 1.5 million acres of land. And you'll see the fire coming up on the screen there, the picture of the fire. And then there's the map of it, because it destroyed one area called Mendocino. And the Mendocino complex about a half a million acres of land was destroyed by a single spark. And they said it came from somebody hitting a stake into the ground and it hit the, the, a rock. And from it came a spark that ignited all the grass and it did so much damage. And James says that's our tongue. It can do great devastation if it's not controlled. You've heard this proverb before. Sticks and stones, but 
It's up there. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Nogal. Nogal. Eh? Try me for size. Words will never hurt me. Look at the revised proverb. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can do permanent damage. And that's the guy who quotes it. Think about it. Many of us have scars. I have a scar. I remember a song by the band, many, uh, band and it was on the hurting. It says, your hurting will go even though the scar remains. Yes, that's a physical damage. But of mental damage, I think the hurting and the scar remains for a long time. Unless Jesus come and bring healing to that body, to that mind. I may be touching a nerve this morning, some of you, where you experienced that hurting. The blessed Savior is here. He has the balm of Gilead. He wants to apply it to the area of hurting in your life today. He's here to wrap up your broken or wounds. He's here to bind you. He's not here to destroy you. Through the word, there is healing for you and I. Words can consume and destroy our lives. There's another quote I remember walking to Edgar's one day, and it says, make sure that your words are sweet, for one day you may have to eat it. I'll never forget that quote. I, I sort of hunted for it, walked in, and I thought of it. Always make sure your words are sweet. I had to do this before when I preach and, and ask for forgiveness. But this was a difficult talk to prepare, and I'm telling you that why. Because as I kept even talking in the house, I kept asking myself, where is it coming from, Colin? Where is it coming from? So I struggle at times. Oh, I've got to shape it. Because not only what you say, is how you say it. Joyce always reminds me of that. I get it in my home. It's how you say it. Words can consume and destroyed, just like that Mendocino fire did a lot of damage. Our tongue can do exactly the same. Fire and words under control can give tremendous warmth, and we all know that. Lovely heaters can give lovely light because of load shedding through the candles, and they can do a lecker bright too. Right? But words out of control can be devastating. It can destroy relationships. It can destroy homes, marriages. Oh, yes, and it can be so devastating, ultimately, that it can even lead to wars. Proverbs 18, verse 20, keep this before you at all times. You have to live with the consequences of everything you say. Write it on your mirror when you get home today. Proverbs 18, verse 20, you have to live with the consequences of everything you say because the tongue can bring life or death. Wow. Wow. I'm going to have to count till 10 before I say the next word. Not here, when I'm out there in conversation. Then thirdly, we've seen that the tongue... Not only directs where I go, my tongue cannot uh, not only destroy what I have, but my tongue displays who I am. 
So why I must filter what I say? Because it displays who I am. Verse 9 to 12 in our, in our text. And it speaks of this. It reveals my real character. It reveals who I am. Verse 9 to 12. It reveals the problem even of my inconsistencies. We say one thing and we do another thing. We've heard that saying before. Do as I do, not as I say. Or do as I say and not as I do. That's right. Eh? Isn't that inconsistent? Do as I say. I remember coming back from a preach one day and my daughter driving back. She was still, I think she was about six or something. She says, Dad, hmm, what a preach, eh? On forgiveness, no how. Eh? And how are you bringing that to bear upon forgiveness and anger and all that stuff? And I'm like, oh, what a wash over me going home for a drive. We come into the church and we praise the Lord, says James. And then we walk out here, we say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And we get in the car, slam the door, and, and the next word that comes out of our mouth is? Think about it. So here, as a spiritual physician, James engages in a rigorous tongue analysis. Hey, You remember when you were little, we had to go to the doctor. And what did the doctor have to do? Georgia, come join me up front here quickly again. Just come here. Seeing that you're so willing. Do you remember? So the doctor would say, come stand up here. Put out your tongue. And you put a stick in your mouth. Open up wide. And you get the light in there. Where's the light? Now I'm going to do the light. Check. I have to do all this. This is so important. The light's got to go on. Oh, no. Hang on. Where are we now? Sorry. Okay. Somewhere the light's not going on here. Okay. Um, anyway. There's a light there, open, and he does that, and he says, ah, ah. And just on doing that, I recall, he could make a health assessment or diagnosis, you know, exactly what was going down with you. And this morning, thank you, man, this morning we're allowing the Holy Spirit to tell us to put out our tongue and go, ah. This is a parable of spiritual reality. My words reveal my spiritual maturity, my spiritual health. And that's what the writer says. Hey? You don't get a fig from a grapevine. You don't get an olive from a fig tree. Even if you move the fig tree to the Mount of Olives, you ain't gonna get olives. I have a lemon tree, and I get lemons from my lemon tree, not from my fig tree or from the grapevine. So what's inside will always make its way out. Proverbs 21, 23 says, if you want to stay out of trouble, be careful what you say. What comes out of your mouth is usually an accurate index of the health of your and my heart. The tongue projects the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That is what Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse 34. It is from within and out of the heart that the mouth speaks. Jesus explains the Freudian slip even before Freud was around, where he says, what's inside is going to come out. And therefore, in repentance, when we come to Christ, we ask him to heal us and cleanse us, we must be serious and say, Lord, take all of me. Cleanse me from the inside out. Let me not look like a white sepulcher, beautiful on the outside, 
but with dead bones on the inside. Make me alive today afresh. Jesus explains this. He says what's on the inside is going to come out. And James, his half-brother, is just highlighting everything Jesus taught. He says, so you can't uh, be a a duplicitous in your behavior. What's inside, what you're suppressing, is going to come out. In other words, if I squeeze you right now, what will come out? What you had for breakfast, right? Now, you'll get tiger coming out of me if you squeeze me. That means jungle oats. Eh? So if we're filled with the Spirit, what will come out is the fruit of the? Yeah. My tongue can direct where I go. It can destroy what I have. But most of all, it simply displays what I am. It reveals my character. If you've got a problem with your tongue, it's more serious than you think. You have a heart problem. Whoops. You've got a heart problem. A person with a harsh tongue has an angry heart. A person with a negative tongue has a fearful heart. A person with an overactive tongue has an unsettled heart. A person with a boasting tongue has an insecure heart. A person with a filthy tongue has an impure heart. A person who's critical all the time has a bitter heart. On the other hand, a person who's always encouraging and has a happy heart, has a happy heart. A person who speaks gently has a loving heart. A person who speaks truthfully has an honest heart. Wow. I stand guilty. I stand on this side. I need the Holy Spirit to put that bit in my mouth afresh today. Huh. And when I want to go off, you know, give it a little upward jab, an upward jab. Let me have a look at my Savior hanging on that cross. That's the upward jab. And see, he took all my sin upon him. So we don't have to individually come forward and now nail our tongues to the cross because he's taken all our sin. He's paid for everything. So you and I can be free and live redeemed lives. So what's the solution? As a good pastor, James wants us to realize that the depth of our sin is the pollution of our hearts. And our need of God's grace and mercy at all times, daily. James is saying that the only way to get control of your tongue is to let Jesus have control of your heart. Has he got control of your heart? Is he king of your heart? Is he lord of your heart? Who's got control of your heart? What has got control of your heart? This is a prayer we need to offer, just like Isaiah. Isaiah in chapter 6, verse 5 to 7. Isaiah's prayer. Then he said, it's all over. And I want to read it to us this morning. Isaiah's prayer to us. Isaiah, in the year you saw the king, Uzziah died. Isaiah says, I saw the Lord holy in his temple, lifted on high. And then he said with one voice, I am doomed for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I've seen the King and the Lord of heaven's armies. When we have an encounter with the King of kings, the Lord of heaven's armies, 
we are never the same again. We walk away differently when we encounter our blessed Savior. And then he go on to say, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. What a beautiful Isaiah prayer. Lord, touch me today. Touch our lips. But more than that, we also want to celebrate and declare that we are a new creation. We've received a new heart. A new heart. A new heart. As representatives of heaven, we only want to speak what is heaven-worthy, Christ-worthy, that brings honor and glory to His name. So recognize that we are a new creation. And declare that over your life today, with your tongue. Say, I am a new creation. I'm inviting the band to come forward. We, have, we are a new creation. This brings us to this wonderful point that we are His children. We're not a perfect community, but that's not how we define ourselves as Seabird. We don't define us as we are an imperfect people gathering together. No, we define ourselves as a redeemed people. People that have been saved by the blood of the Lamb. And how do we continue to nourish this heart? Wherewith shall a young person keep their way pure? Wherewith shall an old person keep their way pure? But according to your word, O Lord. Psalm 119 verse 9. It was a verse I grew up on. Wherewith my mom used to teach us every day, will a young person keep their way, keep their hearts pure, so that they can delight in God is through the word of truth. We need to be nourished by the word and we need the Holy Spirit to apply this word again to our very lives this week as we live out to have words that is seasoned, says Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. We have words that is seasoned with salt so that we can have life-giving words as we travel through our city, our workplaces, in community, in families. May He give us the grace to go and bring a ministry of reconciliation even through the tongue. It's through the tongue that others' faith is stirred. Because it's through our speaking that we stir faith in others. And I pray this morning that through the proclamation of the word, your heart has been stirred afresh and your, heart, and your tongue will speak of the goodness of the Lord. Thank you, Claude.